0: Do you guys like good gear, good quality gear that'll get you where you need to go? I know I do. Check out eberlystock.com. They have an entire range of rucksacks and apparel that'll help you, whether it's military, law enforcement, or even hunting. Uh, I particularly like the F1 mainframe because I like to load that thing down and I can swap out different rucks and throw it onto the frame and then just attach it. Uh, I also have the switchblade, too, which is a nice little three-day ruck that will get me going where I need to go. So great quality stuff, veteran-owned. The owner is a prior Air Force A-10 pilot, Uh, great company. We really enjoy working with these folks because, they, like I said, They produce some quality gear, um, and it's definitely worth your time going to check them out. And if you do that and you decide to check out, use the promo code OR10, that or OR10, and it'll get you a discount on all of their gear. And they've got rucksacks, apparel, among a whole bunch of other things. So definitely go check them out, eberlystock.com.
1: Yeah, that was really, really bad. Listen, good claps make for good, good you episodes, do it and I got again? N- now you can't, you can't do it again. And we're leaving this in the podcast too. I'm going to tell to leave all of this stuff in the podcast. What's I up, everybody? This weapon. guy, I yeah. even, I even gave him the brief. Jesus, he goes right. over, you know, yeah, we're know, with my man <laughs> At here in the team room. Welcome back, everybody. It's the team room. It's me. It's Peaches. It's At. We're going to talk about who At is and and how bad he is at clapping here in a second, even oh, after yeah. a simple brief. Hey, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. I want to say thanks for everybody to come back, uh, coming back. Thanks for following us on the IG. Thanks for uh, checking out, especially those shorts. Go check them out over on the YouTube channel. We're dropping a lot more of exclusive content. Peaches is going live all the time over there. So go over to the YouTube channel, hit like, hit subscribe. It really does help us out. Welcome to the team room, AT. AT, I'm not going to overtalk it because your story is amazing. My heart rate is 197 beats per minute now. Just remembering you as a former PJ instructor of mine, and now you're sitting in the hog, the world's awesomest steel bathtub attached to a flying gun. Uh, we're going to talk about all that stuff. We're going to talk about Team Madman as well. But first of all, first and foremost, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for coming on.
2: Hey guys, thanks for inviting me. And uh, my heart beats like 190 beats as well. Attack! Oh, break them like a like, C4 must- this
1: morning. We're just excited to see each other. So <laughs> T man, tell us, uh, tell us as little or as much as you want to tell us about your entire career. Like I, yeah, I kind of alluded absolutely. to it before, but you
2: know, I've been known to talk, so tell me when to shut up. But, um, yeah, first and Send foremost, it. I'm here on my own accord. So obviously I'm not in like any official capacity, represent the military or whatnot. So, uh, you know, sure. we'll just keep it at that. And, uh, you know, we'll talk as much as you guys want to, or until my energy drinks are gone. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Hey, thanks for having me on guys. Um, yeah, so, man, I was a PJ from 98 to about 2008, and then I crossed over to the A10 kind of world, so I got in just about the same time as Peaches, man, so I think you are a little bit after me, uh, yeah. you know, and right before 9-11, you know, back when it was a joint in-doc, actually, so it was pretty rad. It was uh, PJs, controllers, you know, sweating and bleeding, you know, in Lackland together. Uh, and crying. You, the- you
1: forgot about crying. It's blood, sweat, and tears. You should say crying, <laughs> there too. There
2: was plenty of crying, too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you guys talk a lot about EGD. We had a whole week back then. It was like hell week, and yeah.
1: I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh,
2: so, shit, man, did that, and then uh, I was on the first wave, nine elevenths, October, you know, of one in the uh, in the Gan or Uzbekistan, just north, and then uh, I got to do some really rad stuff there. Obviously, uh, with that first wave, there a lot of unknowns and stuff, and then uh, I met up with Peaches over in uh, in Jordan for the initial push into. Uh, into Iraq from the West uh, in 03. I uh, did a bunch of other deployments in between that. And then uh, finally decided uh, that I wanted to go fly. It was my original dream when I joined the, uh, the military. Uh, I, thought, I didn't know you'd have to be an officer to do that, you know?
1: <laughs> so. <laughs> Some, <laughs> somebody... somebody. <laughs> Somebody well, didn't know, explain it very well to you.
2: Yeah, kind of like the recruiters are like, you know, hey, go be a PJ. You don't need to know how to swim. You know, kind of lying to you. Join the Air Force. You can go fly in that 14. You know, like, you watch it <laughs> yeah. So, now I, uh, you know, I had figured out I had to go to school, and obviously, you guys at that deployment rate, you know, it was like impossible. So I took an instructor slot and uh, at at Indoc at the time and and uh, finished up school there, and you know, got picked up for active duty pilot training. But I found out about the guard best kept secret and then i uh i got out palace chase out of active duty went to the guard and they sponsored me right into a hog unit you know it's like about a two-year two-year pipeline just like the you know kind of like the operator pipelines you know just long go 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 finally got back to my unit here i think like in 2010 and then you know been here ever since i've been active duty agr i was fortunate uh, to have that, most of my time here, there was like a three-year stint where I was a traditional and I did some DOD contracting overseas. And, uh, but other than that, you know, I've been in for 24 years total and I've had a bunch of redeployments deployments in the hog as well. And we've done uh, God's work pretty good, uh, you know, especially against ISIS. Uh, we put a lot of those fuckers in the ground. So uh, right where they need nice. to be. So we could talk <laughs> about all the stuff if you guys want. Uh, obviously, my time in there, most of it was in the 2-3 SES when I was in J. And then uh, as an instructor at Indoc, and then you know a lot of deployments and augmentations of other units. So we can we can roll into that if you guys want.
0: Yeah, man. Well, yeah, man. you're you're not um, <laughs> Jinx. Um, <laughs> yay! Um, so I don't know if you do. You remember meeting me at Indoc? I mean, that's actually where we we met first. So I came in in '99, and I remember I think you were already a grad by then. So oh, shit. for yeah. yeah, so so for the I, I'm I'm pretty sure you were already grad so as you can, so for all the people that don't know that that building doesn't exist anymore where, where we're talking about but it was sad. Yeah.
1: But it was it was
0: three floors. Three mm-hmm. Yep. And the third graduates were always on the third floor and, and if you were a a current going currently going through in doc or you were in that prep team you you were on the first and second floor and you never ventured up to the third floor like that was just Not a thing unless you
1: wanted that smoke yeah if you wanted that smoke you went up to that yeah. third floor. that's what that third <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. floor was for uh, you that was, there was leaning, a
2: he went through it twice because he went
1: the third floor. yeah, yeah there, a, there was a very distinct hierarchy we're going to talk about hashtag making great again because it's one of my favorite hashtags that's out there but uh Man, back in the day, like that was the thing is you policed your own. Like if you were a grad and you were a you know, there was a brand new student. Listen, it wasn't hazing, okay? No. It was it, students it was, who were it was students who were a little bit further along in the pipeline it, than you showing you how to do the exercises yep. correctly. It That's mentorship, what that was.
2: Mentorship and character development. Come on, guys.
1: Peer <laughs> development. That's what it was. It was peer-to-peer development. Without any of the rules that the cadre had to follow, because they were nowhere to be found. But that's what no. it was. And that third floor—that's where that smoke was. Yep. Happened.
0: And there was no way that I would ever—I would t- ever tell any stories about what happened at the I on would the third floor. Never tell any story. Nope. You Keep that to yourself. Yeah.
1: You keep you keep that peer-to-peer mentorship to yourself. So, At, let's talk about those old days at Indoc because you were there you know it's 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 crazy to have people that get got in when you said you know pre 911 and I was in that yeah. very first push over there that's man that's a crazy thing and you know now we're 20 21 years 22 years removed yeah. from that entire thing what was indoc like back then especially because you ended up becoming an instructor and going back to those buildings as an instructor what was it like back then
2: yeah man it was I mean, it was awesome. You know, at the time, you're you're you know, as a cone or a pre cone on prep, whatever, you're you're nervous and you're just trying to get through it. But by the time you're a grad, it is like you're living uh, like Peach is saying. You're on that third floor. It was like it was like a hierarchy. Like the basement floor, you just. Your, your shoes are in the trees, you're a prep kid, you know, you know. Your stuff is in the sheet. And when I say your, your shoes permanent are wedgies. Trees, I,
1: you're just walking around like you wor- worrying about who's gonna give you a swirly next it's I literally it's like in high
2: school. Your shoes are in the trees. Like the kids would come <laughs> over from BMT, We were grads and we'd be hanging out the uh you know, the third floor window and, and it was like fresh fish coming over. It was like a fraternity. Oh my god. And it was yeah. like they're still marching, you know. They're phase one, whatever. I just straight out of BMT. They still got their hair zoomed up, and uh, they'd be in formation. You know, ground your boots outside, go inside, get a briefing from the blue rope NTL, and then we'd sneak down the side door and tie all their boots together, throw them in the tree, and you have like a human cone tower. You know, like going up there trying to fish them out. It was it was amazing. Uh, And then there was, like, hey, come up to the third floor for a free haircut or, you know, (laughs) intro. And then, you know, you'd miss a CQ kid for, like, two hours and be taped up in the closet. That never happened.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Listen, that never happened. Again, it wasn't hazing; It was peer-to-peer mentorship.
2: Man, I think it was great, you know, because the... you know just there was like a camaraderie you know there was a you know pre-team team and then you know nobody messed with the team that was kind of like a unwritten rule like you never right. mess with the actual team that's going to the course right now because they're getting it every day from the cadre already so you right. know just leave them alone they're just trying to recover and not get injured um but you know once you're like kind of that student out of training or just awaiting waiting training uh or fresh meat like i said prep guy you were it was game on but um you know, the pipeline in between schools back then it was like, I think Rod Alney was, uh, was like the pipeline manager, you know, he's, yeah, he was driving around it. in his truck and he's like, Hey <laughs> you, hey, what are you doing? Um, uh,
1: <laughs> he's a,
0: yeah,
2: is, hey, he is a
1: little as PJ. He is a little as PJ. And he had that,
2: Volkswagen
1: yeah.
2: And he had yep. that like, uh, old Tacoma or whatever it was it like with like, you know, 37 inch tires compensating, you know, for him. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, I don't even wrong? know how he got. It.
1: I don't even know how he got into it. Was it a trampoline sort of <laughs> no, like, a deal, or was there like a lift? I don't there even was know. Like, is he two feet tall?
2: That uh, one of the old ropes that comes tied to the
1: one hundred percent. And then, but,
2: uh, and, yeah, it was awesome because that guy would man- he'd manage the pipeline. Him and uh, somebody else with their that little you know building uh, that's probably no longer there as well but you would get your order straight out of Indoch and for the most part I mean it was it was pretty quick like you would maybe have a couple of days off and you go straight to Key West and then you know that was the big kind of goal is like get get fresh grads from team while they're still you know in, in turbo shape down to dive right. school and crush right it away. and then right. and then you come back and you you got that bubble and you know I mean you think you're fucking god you know invincible at that point you know walking over to main side, lock, I'm like, yo, what's this now?
1: What yeah. oh, oh no,
2: nobody knows like, what it is. You're just,
1: go- you're just going up to random chicks at the BX. Yeah, yeah. Like, Oh, what's this on my okay. uniform? Do you- can okay. you see that? I don't know. Yeah. I- apparently this is a big deal. I don't know. I guess I'm a big deal.
2: Well, I got to skip ahead and tell you a quick, quick story.
0: Years later,
2: years later, here I am going to pilot training and the pilot training. It's kind of like, you know, you're, you're brand new, you're a lieutenant against you, you're starting over. And, uh, Day one of pilot training is you got to wear blues. It's kind of a hazing thing, right? So we all show up and uh, nice. there's this. That's possible this, scenario for you. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm in there, you know, look like a goddamn Mexican general, you know, because I'm wearing <laughs> my blues against all these brand new ROTC kids, academy kids. There's like one yeah. other, you know, not prior guy. And uh, our class leader, if you want to, or met, whatever we call Proctor, is a first assignment instructor pilot. Like she is a oh, just... Oh. That's yeah. called a
1: fape everybody. A FAPE, First exactly. assignment instructor pilot. What that so, means is you were such a good student that they asked you to stay be a student. It's like you're a gra- it's like you live on that third floor of that dumb building except you're a pilot.
2: Yeah. So she's uh she yeah, exactly. She's got about 10 hours in the military after uh you know, her <laughs> own wings. And she's in charge of this bunch of knuckleheads, you know, just and really her, her main job just to get us from point A to point B to the real <laughs> changes. Sure. <laughs> uh, anyway, she would introduce herself, tell us, tell me about yourself, and she's going down the line, and she gets to me, and she's like, "What is that?" I was like, "What did you do?" I was like, "I was an in-flight missile mechanic. She's like, "What?" She's like, "Yeah, yeah, I used to work on the B in-flight
1: missile." Like, get
2: out of here! I shit you negative. So I'm like, "That's what the badge means." And she goes, "Oh, yeah." I go, they, they sent me to jump school because some guys, you know, Bob fell off one time. He was climbing out in the wing trying to fix the GBU-38, and he fell off. So now we all go to jump school.
1: What <laughs> but, is wrong with you? Why dude, are you yeah. like this to people?
2: We had her going for probably 20 minutes. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, back to Endoc, you know, the pipeline right. back then. I'm just saying, you got your bubble. You think you're the shit. Uh, you don't mm-hmm. know anything. And, you know, then you got the you know free fall or, or jump free fall whatever it comes whatever the order is and then we had sompsy mm-hmm. back in the day so for the pjs right. for those of you who don't know listening we all used to go it's been all over the place the whole medical part of the pipeline but at that time we were going to fort bragg with the 18 deltas you know with the Ranger medics uh and who else was there at the time i think like there there's Mike Corman or something like that mm-hmm. so i yeah. mean that was probably the biggest uh part chunk of the pipeline post in before you got to what they now call pju or the prentice course was that medical portion and the army of course makes everything a freaking you know attrition course they were like you yeah know, like hey you roll in for a medical scenario you know oh you got rolled back to day one because you didn't say high flow 15 liters per minute you know even though you put the damn mask on the dummy right you know?
1: <laughs> Well, th- there is a, a couple things I don't want to speed past them. You, yeah, yeah. Uh, g- go check out Team Madman on IG. It's it's dope. It, it has some awesome content on there. But you put on there a couple times, and I'm sure that you got the most, the most response to two things that I want to talk about. And this is straight up old school in doc stuff. So the first thing I want to talk about is Black Thursday. So Black okay. Thursday. <laughs> just He's the just word scared
2: right now He's shaking. just the
1: word i'm telling you hey if you say black thursday around a certain group of people people i start stretching in my head right now i was just like i gotta get ready for yeah. this thing
0: <laughs> so I'm, I'm already so, yeah, slowing my heart rate down right now
1: i'm just like listen aaron you're gonna get through this so what for for the kids out there AT uncle at what is black thursday
0: <laughs> <So scary. laughs> it was so scary. I'm I'm doing like the President Joe Biden I thing. I think like, it
1: was like Black Thursday. Weeks, terrifying.
2: Weeks four, five, and six, maybe in the in the ten week course. It, it was you after. You can never tell. Yep. The hell, he never knew what it was. It wasn't the first couple weeks, but um, you know, nope. yeah, you, you, you had some weeks under your belt. You had some water time in your system already before you did this. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was a gut check. The first, it was three of them. The first one was a BDU day, I think. Or BC day, one or the other. Yep. Uh, right. And then the the second one was the you know the BDU or the BC. The second, that the third one was the BDU BC day. So what is it now? Your OCPs? It's your frigging uniform. Yeah. And your BC, and your booties, by the way. So like,
1: and your booties, by the way.
2: Just put on a top and go in the pool and dry, try to do a twenty five meter underwater. Now put all that crap on, and you are just a a bag of drag. And you know every and it was.
1: Two the instructors forward, were always backwards. bringing that, and yeah, the instructors were bringing that energy too. The wow, second dude. that you got there on a Thursday, it was all, the volume was already so, up. It was like we had morning pool <laughs> sessions during mine, and you would show up on Thursdays, and it would already be loud. Like I'm not a morning person, and you would get off that bus, yeah, and they'd yeah. be like, "Put on the full uniform," and you'd be like, "Oh God, no!" <laughs>
2: <I'm gonna name laughs> drop some people here because yeah. Dilly White, uh, and oh gosh, who was? Maybe it was Dave Swan. Dude, they roll over in this big blue steely and they're like pull right up in the grass. And of course, I did this later as an instructor, too. I'm like, I want to do that. Uh, And they've got got no
1: parking space, just right on the grass.
2: Right right (laughs) next to the Skylark, you know? Uh, Metallica's (laughs) blasting, blowing out the cheap Air Force speakers (laughs) in this thing. And Billy White goes boxing. He's like, I've been flicking myself in the nuts the whole way over here. I'm just fucking amped up.
1: (laughs) <laughs> and it's immediately like he what a starts a thing what a ridiculous
2: thing
1: he's like an 06 now right Jeez. <laughs> yes i got it oh actually retired we can it tell is, this story okay. because so well he's he's
0: he's, he's still at he is still active duty right now but he's other he is on other. he's on his way out but the oh, m- the best part about that is you know you tell that story and folks folks that don't know him are like oh okay that's that's pretty funny the if you know him though it's like it's not, you can just see it, and it's even it's more funny. Oh my it's god! Oh, oh, oh. it's I'm not making it up. Dude.
2: The guy is, um,
1: he's he nuts, absolutely, like, absolute, he, he was like absolute an bad indie,
2: man. He's super competitive, and you only when I got the 2-3, he actually came there from Indoc. uh, he, he back to the teams, and you only mm-hmm. got to beat him at one thing one time, and you got him. Like, I think I beat him on a ruck run, and he's like. Redo tomorrow. I
0: was like, man, no, nah, I've got
2: jujitsu or something, man. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 redo. I was like, no, nah, maybe next month. You know, he just, and he would just be under his skin. So, a really competitive guy. Fantastic. He would kick your gear. Him, Dave Schwann. I'm trying to think of the other instructor there at the time. Uh, Craig Showers was the, uh, um, I mean, Ross Kilbride's been there
0: for you know millennium. He's and he's, there, he's still yeah, there. I, ju- I just saw yeah, him two days ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can't narrow it down. Like, hey, when what, it was when Ross Kilbride was there. Oh, do you cool. mean like for all of modern history?
2: Oh, oh, yeah. I found his name. He was my proctor. So I found my old shirt with like, you know, we'd get a shirt class. It was he Ross was my Kilbride. proctor, too. Yeah, yeah, we brought him back when he was already 90. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> but, I mean, he's still a freaking stud. So
0: I can't wait. Yeah, he he, li- he listens to this occasionally, him and oh, Capo. Yeah. I, like I said, I and so. Oh, yeah. so
2: Capo was on team with that. Uh, so Capo was my team leader. You know, and he'd be like, hey, big A. You know, but like, Capo, what's up right right now? Awesome, dude. So, love that cat. I just talked to him the other day. He's always like... <laughs> every time I talk to him, he's giving Top Gun references. So, um,
1: Fantastic. It's a yeah. Navy movie, Capo. Grow up, Peter Pan. <laughs> how dare you uh
2: yeah so black thursdays man for those of you uh you know cone wannabes out there and that's the reason you guys follow ones ready man that is a legendary uh, pool session session it was always say. so
1: bad too it was yeah. so bad and i just remember like black thursdays just evolved like there were no rules it was like you the, the instructors would make some half-ass attempt at actually running like a normal pool session They'd be like, all right, line up. And then somebody like, you know, somebody would screw a count up or somebody would do something. And it just went straight to hell. They were like, you know what, you guys don't want to count up to sevens in order for us to do underwaters, just count off by twos. And yeah. everybody was just like, oh no. But then oh, the no. why do we need to count <laughs> off by twos? We don't need to count off by twos,
0: do we? The thing about Black Thursdays though is that like so you you're throwing all that stuff on, right? But the, the timelines and the standards didn't change. So no, you know, no. if you're if you're slick and you're doing underwaters at a minute thirty pace, you're gonna yeah. do it at a minute thirty pace minute 30 and pace. and and everything. BC booties yeah. uniform so. and. Dude, there were some, there was some severe gamesmanship though. I mean, you had people that would that would they would
2: have nightmares. They couldn't sleep the night before, like Wednesday yeah. night. They were thinking about. 100%. it. One hundred percent. They would not eat. People would not go to lunch, like especially nope. if it was like, oh, dude, it, what, <laughs> afternoon pool spaghetti? sessions? Nope, no one's nope. eating lunch. No one's nope. eating on a Black not. Thursday. It was like nah. literally people had nightmares. When I said, I'll this, eat a sleep. dinner, homie. Peaches was shaken. I mean it. You. There's a, a ginger peach, not not holy pepper, but uh, another another yes. one out there. And I think he's I think he's actually out now. He's like living in the mountains, all bearded. And this guy, uh, and he ended up being a stud, like PJ the year and stuff later on. Um, but he sewed down his pockets, cut out like his cargo pockets, sewed down, and Scotch guarded his BDUs, so like water would kind of repel nice. from it. He had like the ankles like tailored in, <laughs> and of course, ev- everybody had the strap, booty straps to hold the boots right. on. Like anything oh, yeah. that give you an edge, like you know, like shaving his whole body of hair, you know, like a Olympic swimmer, anything because of fear of Black Thursday and that extra drag. Uh, and did out. it
0: help?
1: No, but it made no. it <laughs> feel like it helped. It gave you me that <laughs> mental edge. Like, and and by the way, the gamesmanship and it plays in perfectly with what I, I want to talk about next because I have my own story of gamesmanship that I'm pretty proud of, but. ETD, so the extended training day, or uh, it, you know, hell night, or hell week, or whatever, it was remarkably different back then. So, just tell us a little bit about ETD.
2: Yeah, so I mean, coming back as an instructor, you know, so I had all these visions of grandeur, of, like I'm going to make it make indo great again, <laughs> and that can already changed when I got back. I mean, that so right. this is something that I think the Air Force made a big foul. Before I answer your question here, man, uh, you know when they split. All of us when we were together. So Peaches and I, part of that old school, like we were together at Indoc. You saw mm-hmm. that on the team. You saw the reflection. I think it happened 2003 ish when you started getting guys who went to I think at that time, you know, the CCS and whatever it was or CC, whatever the heck it was. Ben yeah, CCSI. So combat yeah, control was, you know, down orientation the hill court, over or by the little yeah. Medina Annex gym. Yeah. Right. So there was already that kind of like us and them you know, the old school versus the new school in the teams, like you would see that. Like you'd come into silver blue, you know, when they were colored teams back then, when they the were guys teams, were yeah. yeah, the guys were already kind of holding that over each other. Um so it it just sucked because then because when we went through it together, it was there was no PJ the like T I mean, yeah, you guys had shit going down at the triangle, uh down at Keesler but <laughs> but we've pretty much everybody had the same clout, you know? Um mm. And then when it separated, it kind of created this whole weird world. But um, so I, I go back and, you know, I'm an instructor now and I kind of want to hold that standard, right? Standards and norms. We want to make sure we hold those. Um, there we go. But, right. Uh, right. So we Great reference.
1: Great reference.
2: No, it's good. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I saw that in an email recently or something. So, um <laughs>
1: P- Peach's heart rate is now at 210. Like, you can't give him some time <laughs> like, off. Like, he just he just woke up. He doesn't want to have to deal with this at, at yeah. you know, 7 o'clock in so, the morning. Give the guy a break. For those of
2: you who don't know, so what was hell week kind of morphed into the ETD. And it's really, it's not really, it's a day. It ends up being like two, two and a half days just because of the way it happens. We always hit you in the middle of the night. You never had any sleep. Uh, and, you know, pretty much, you know, I've had the bullhorn is like, that's like, it gives you your power. It's kind of like the knife hand. You know, you have the bullhorn. That's where your source of power comes from when you're going that's through like, the cone door and you just like get up too Pretty slow.
1: Get up, right? Get up. Oh, I didn't wake you, did I? Get your gear <laughs> on. You have, you have yeah. 37 seconds to get all of your gear out front. Oh, you want to be a cone? Name every single knot.
2: Yeah. So there are ways to mess with cones, even when they are physically spent. Like, I think, I don't know if I did this on an etd or, or or it wasn't around your class but i had to move their entire room outside and reconstruct it to the exact measurements of the dimensions of their room i mean they why are like, you
1: doing this that's 100 percent my class like why are you saying this <laughs> and we had to do it and we had to do it out in those, the old abandoned dorms it was out in the thing uh and your boy i think he's out now so i'll say his name but alec also oh. had us mark also had us marching so he get like, we, we got out on, I, I, it wasn't on ETD, but he was screwing with us. He was like, all right, go outside. And he started calling, like, straight-up Air Force cadence marching no things. Ass. And we were, like, we were mid, I mean, we were, like, knee-deep in Indoc, right? So none of us had any idea how to march. Like, we're, like, you know, we, we know how to run in formation, but that was it. He got so mad, and then that's where the set your rooms up exactly. And then if you remember you did room inspections. You walked down the fake hallway and you would knock on the fake door and come into our perfectly set up room. We a parking and it, lot it was yeah. in the grass out behind the dorm and you had to move your entire dorm room out there. Like you couldn't hang anything up, but you're like, listen, if it can get moved out of this room, move all of your stuff. People were setting their beds up, like making their beds out front. And it, the, the absolute <laughs> Stockholm syndrome that we had, no kidding. I remember as a, as a grown man looking at somebody's bed and being like, Hey, Fix that corner. Are you yeah, joking? Yeah. Be a professional.
2: <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, man. We're gonna
1: get smoked for this. Yeah,
2: that's, that was definitely a
0: kill Brian, carryover from when when I was at And I'm pretty sure he made us do that. But uh,
1: it was magnifique. I'll, I'll tell you, like, yeah. well done,
0: Jeff's kid. But for the for the folks that are listening, though, like, if you look at this, you've got three dudes on here, two two PJs and a controller that have gone through Indoc, have gone through like crazy times, just just in the pipeline, not even operationally, just. Through the pipeline that you would think like, okay, that's hazing or they've taken it too far. The instructor shouldn't have done that. We're sitting here laughing about it, reminiscing about best it. Memories. So, exactly, hilarious moments, best memories, and you're still in the suck because and it's that shared experience that we all have that ties us all together. Which going right back to your point, at you know when we when we did the the PJ CCT split. Um, and and PJs didn't know what what controllers were going through during their pipeline and controllers didn't know what PJs were going through during their pipeline. There was definitely a we, – we were lacking that shared experience. We were still close, but we weren't we weren't where we were. So that like that's why I'm really happy that we've gone we've gone back and come back Absolutely, together now.
2: Man. Absolutely. You know, and I mean I'm not knee deep in it like you guys, but you just hearing what's going on at A and S and guys coming back together, I think is awesome. You know, we're sw is gone and you know everybody's together again it's 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 not this like oh who's that guy you know oh he hasn't you know hasn't proved himself yet you know what you're, yeah. the dude's done and you've got some you know understanding
1: 100 uh-huh. percent. so so you get out of there you get out of uh you know your time in uh in being a pj so you went to the two three and you got some deployments i always ask guys that that went there kind of on that first push Man, what was it like? Like when you were getting ready to go when, when September 11th happened. So what what's your September 11th story? Because that's what kicks off this deployment. Yeah, right. Were you already so, at the two three?
2: Uh, yeah. So uh, okay. Jason Kemp is KP still in? I don't. So I don't think he's. I'm pretty sure he's out I don't think now. So, so uh, Jason, Kemp, we had just done like a run, swim, run. You know, so for you know at Herbie, the two three compound right there on Independence, you run out, you swim across the sound, you come back, and you run. And you know we had, we had just changed, showered up over in the old locker room, and gone over to the reef, which is like the little uh, defect The Little chow hall. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and it's still. By the way, it's still there, and it's still uh, the so best we, place to eat. The <laughs> is still the best place. It's still the best defect in, on Herbie.
2: So, yeah. So we're eat, we're eating chow, and I think we see like they're showing reports. It, it, it wasn't live at that time. They were showing of oh, the first uh, tower being hit, and we're like, mm-hmm. oh shit. Uh, so. Like something's going on. Let's roll back to the squadron. We go back to the squadron, and of course, everybody is gathered around in the the, the ops building, right, or the right. ops desk. Everybody is watching the TVs, you know, just that's where nobody knows what TV the hell's is. going on. That's the TVs at right. And uh, I think we were all in there, and we saw the second one hit, like live. Um, everybody, at, like at this point, freaking out. Um, and I remember real specific. I don't know if it was but right then or before the Pentagon was hit, Kurt Buller was the D.O. at the time, and he walks in and he goes, pack your bags, we're going to war, boys. Like, literally, he said it. Like Starship I to, Troopers.
1: He, I was going to ask if it was super, like, get your stuff, we're going to war. Yeah,
2: he's a super intense guy. And when he talks, you sh- you listen. You know, and he's just like it. You know, I'm just talking like it. You know, freaking stud collegiate wrestler at the academy, the honor grad at Ranger School. Like, you know, like, when I was like, Always like at that, I was like, ah, right, he's just, you know, we're going to war, we're going to war because right. he said it. I mean, everybody already <laughs> had their shit, you know, in their cages, but like we all ran out and like people, it's a, it was insanity of the unknown. It's like, do we need zodiacs? I don't know. Like, do, like, throw, it'd be like you see a dude like running through <laughs> the compound with like a 50 horse over his arm, and another guy's got ammo cans, and like, where are we going with what this What are we, shit? What I don't are we know, doing, but, guys?
1: Like, I don't know what we're doing, but get something, pick it up. I yeah, need help. get
2: something. I mean, I remember we were there pretty late that night, went home, and it was like, hey, I told my wife, I was like, I lived over Commando Village, so I had to leave the main base. And I was mm-hmm. like, we need to get back on. I mean, I need to go back because I need to finish packing out my bag. I was like, so I need, like, the stuff that I didn't have there, like deodorant, toothbrush, let's, you know, I had some of that. So we went back on the base that night, and I think, I don't think the machine gun nests were up yet, but it was, a, it was a pain getting through the gate. The next morning... Um, I get a phone call at the house, like, "Hey, man, you might want to ride your bike to work because uh, you don't want to drive." So I hopped on my mountain bike, and the line was all the way up, whatever that road is that comes out that that gate.
1: Yeah, ninety-eight. Uh, yeah,
2: no, I mean, ninety-eight. All, the way, all, es- the, all the way to
1: Mary Esther. All the way to Mary Oh, the
2: okay. Yeah, and look at it—it was a standstill. Like every car was inspected, and I don't mean like the quick; like it was like the full up. Nobody knew there was a machine gun nest at every gate. Uh, so you know. I got through it. Of course, we're getting briefings, we're trying to get intel what's going on. Um, and, you know, long story short, we don't actually push out of town for a few weeks after that, but we're on the first list. I mean, you had like dudes that were, at that time, we were had Southcom was our AO. We had guys at Puerto mm-hmm. Rico um, who got recalled. Like the SEALs are sitting there like, where are you going, man? Can we go with you? As guys are like packing their bags to come back, recalled in the 2-3 so we can deploy. Um, wow. And I, and I think, I had this written down here because I was looking at my notes the other day, but, um was a time, like, this is the bad thing we're all bad at. So all you out there listening, as you're just starting your careers, you know, I know this sounds really stupid. Keep a journal. Like, write yes. this stuff down. Because, like, you're 20 years from now, you're like, when did I go? And I'm, like, piecemealing it for, like, pictures and stuff. What day was it? I'm looking at orders. You know, it's not, you're not going to care now. But, like, your kids, somebody's going to care at some point. So we were in country. um, You know, we all hopped on, like, a C-17. And we got out of here. And I've got pictures of us that. You know, it's all grainy because it's not in digital. It's like old. You took photos. it with a potato.
1: Yeah, yeah, you took it with a disposable camera. They well, used to was, hey everybody. So they had to, they crap. had cameras. Yeah, and they they used to they had disposable ones, and they were like wrapped in cardboard. And you would go to weddings, and they would they would be there, and then you'd have to get those pictures developed. Like you couldn't just look at them. You had like, to take that, that's actual what cameras good pictures. Were. There's no. Filters. You had to take actual good pictures, or you no mess filters. Filters. up. <laughs> no filter. There's like filters.
2: stars floating by your head. You know, <laughs> no filter. You couldn't be like. Exactly. Um, so we got to Uzbek, and, uh, you know, I think, you know, we won we the first flight. So we got there, there was right. nothing bare bones. It was like us, fifth group, and, uh, you know, some AC 130s, but like there's not even a defect. We were eating MREs the first couple months. We didn't have a shower. We had some of those right. like sunbags you like hang up. Um, yep. Remember, there's this weirdo we had, Greg Waldheim. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so just drop, Waldo, just drop all of them. Yeah, <laughs> all just, of them.
2: Just drop them because he's, I think he's totally out. Um, or maybe uh, so. We just dug a hole. That was your latrine, right? And like, Waldo's out there, like literally just taking a two. And he's got he, all, there was like a nail. You take your own personal roll of toilet paper because like everybody had their own, and it was gone. It mm-hmm. was gone. Then you were down to the MRE toilet paper, which
1: is terrible, right? Oh, it's like terrible. It's great for woodworking. John,
2: you know, John Wayne toilet paper. <laughs>
1: It's, yeah. That's that John Wayne toilet paper. It's yeah. not taking shit if, off if anybody. You're, if you're you know what I mean?
2: Building like a table and you use some sandpaper, it's great, but that's about it. So, it's literally, <laughs> but there's no curtain. There's no container around this. You know, it's just a hole. It's like two pieces of uh, two by fours that we'd made like a seat For out of. For
1: your feet. Right. Yeah.
2: I mean, like, you could totally see, you know, snake ropes, 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 man. and And <laughs> <laughs> fast ropes out. And I guess, uh, apparently some, some female walked by at some point and this was behind the haz It was like, obviously in a discreet location, but not discreet enough. Waldo's right. out there, you know, doing his business and, uh, some female sees it. And, uh, uh, from then on, we had to construct some kind of with somebody gave up their wooby poncho liner to build like a, <laughs> you know, a wall around this thing, but that's how it was for the first couple of weeks. Like, and then, you know, of course we're, everybody's doing, you know, prep stuff and uh, and what I'm about to get into, you know, some more on the serious note, but is like, you know, so we started putting teams in and I think, I don't know if I was on the first flight or one of the other, um, CSR teams with, uh, FE. he just made chief by the way. Um, yeah. yep. he was on the first flight. So I think he might've been on the first flight. Uh, but anyway, we got shot at the first two nights, um, like going across the border. This is back when, you know, like the unknown, right? So we, people, we would test fire the mini guns, you know, um, Crossed across the border, uh, Mo. Mo just retired. Seth, he shot his. You heard this, Peaches. The story. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic.
1: Yes. Send it. Story yeah. time with AT yes. is
0: getting it's, spicier it's, it's, and spicier. It's, it's,
2: can I say this? Is Mo retired now?
0: I, I'm pretty sure he's retired now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So when he when we test fired weapons, you know, like dude test fires is two or three off the back of the ramp of the 47. Solid.
0: <laughs> Solid.
2: right were we were crossing like in. Into you know from the north, that was awesome, man. So, good dude. I love you, though. Uh, he's a guy that always holds a small um Red Bull can because it makes him look bigger. He got the he's got this
1: complex nice. He's Nobody a loud, of, loud
2: Italian. Nobody is safe today, by the way. So, I love you, though. Um, the guy you think he can fight, so Aaron. Dude, this guy, you know, he's a big pussy. He's a softie. I'm like, I don't w remember <laughs> at AJ's once, like some guy was beating on his girl. I was like we're walking across the parking lot to AJ's. And of course we're like, yo, hey dude. And he's like, F you to me. And then Mo's like, Sure hey, man. And then quite it's like, Oh, because Mo's a big guy. So he's like at that time he's like, Okay. I'm like, Duke can't even fight. I mean,
1: like, you can't, he's, hes a teddy bear. What's he gonna he do, does, do? Hug you to death? He, snuggle you? He doesn't. He
2: doesn't jits, man.
1: He just—he 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 just he just he does not do size. He doesn't jits, homie. So, there, so uh, there you guys. So there you guys were for the first couple weeks, and then how long was that first deployment?
2: Dude, it was like six months, man. So some notable stuff that happened, obviously, uh, that I want to get out there is—you uh, know—at first we're putting in these uh, ODA teams, you know, fifth group guys, and they were kicking ass. You know, don't get me wrong. Um, but I think that's when they were like realized they weren't the technical experts on how to use air power. And if it wasn't for this deployment and, uh, you know, and guys like Kurt Buller who were like, dude, we need a JTAC out with every team. That's it, That was so influential for the last 20 years. How JTAC, yeah. nobody you knew what a JTAC was. The right. world would not know what a jTAC was had it not been for that the stuff that went down in that deployment they're like no we need an Air Force dude out with those with those army guys and yeah. you guys guys like Charlie Mike you know just like killing dudes like the flag like like one b-52 strike killing more people than the omicron ever will you know like just <laughs> mowing them down uh, and then lb I just saw something the other day there's a guy that wrote a book uh, it's called the first casualty uh, uh Toby Harden he's a, he's a Brit Uh, check it out. Um, It's on Amazon, but uh, he's posted, he posts something like every day on IG, like a picture. He's got all these pictures because we, um, I carried out Mike Spann's body, you know? So when the prison uprising happened, Mazar Sharif, you know, back in late November of that year, you know, he was the first American, you know, killed. Um, And a lot of people don't count that because he wasn't a uniform wearing guy at the time, but no, he was first dude killed in combat, you know, CIA dude, Mike Spann. Right there we care we had his body on the 47 i remember we landed back in uzbek and there been one other guy that technically that was killed but it was due to an accident he actually got and you know at socks he was a ce guy he got kind of crushed uh by some uh some equipment so he's the first real person that died. but like in combat mike span we land the, the 47 and the fifth group chaplains there you know and they got a flag i mean it's like it was pretty sombering like dude i mean since the towers fell, this is like the first American soul lost in combat. So right. uh, it, it was, it was pretty uh, sobering. And then, you know, a f- like a week later, I pulled out uh score in those dudes, a uh, bunch of fifth group dudes from the, uh, the friendly fire thing. So it's kind of interesting, man. I've been listening to your precision strike stuff, uh, peaches and how nine lines, you know, that time I'm like, I knew ECAS as a J maybe, you know, right. Like, you, this is me. This is direct description. But now it's like, the entire J-Fire and joint publication 3093, how we do CAS nine-line procedures changed because of a few incidents that happened. That was one of those, like, no longer put in friendly position as coordinates, you know, because right. um, some stuff happened there. But it was that was another one that sucked. So literally one of my own bros from the 23, a controller, um, we land in Maja Sharif. We're getting, you know, these wounded guys out of there uh, that this 500-pound bomb had had you know messed up and it's one of my own guys who comes on on the aircraft so that was like oh shit so a dude that i know is effed up uh and he ended right. up being all right man he's a pa now he's, he's rocking it man he's like i think he's a colonel or tenant colonel but uh out in Aviano. but good for him man so Mikey, you for listening uh, uh <laughs> hope to see you again it's been way too long dude good dude
1: tons of shout outs. I don't know if anybody's going to hear it. I I, I make this I joke know. all the Does time. But you can say whatever you want stuff. on here. And nobody listens.
0: No one watches
1: <laughs> No one watches this um, stuff. No. Man, this is like well, a,
2: this is like a reunion, man. So, yeah. So after that deployment, go ahead, man. What do you want to hear about? Yeah, man? no.
1: I I just wanted to because it, it it sounds like, you know, that was um, you know, you said you always came in cuz you wanted to fly, but that that first deployment, it sounds like, you know, you started really you know, looking at at CAS and you started looking at things from kind of like a different angle and it had to be it had to be just such a weird thing for you. You know, you know, you go through indoc and you watch the towers fall, you're at the two three, and then you blow out and you you go to this country, but you see immediately how air power, which is, you know, I mean that's our bread and butter, right? Like it's leveraging air power for us as a ground maneuver element, but really you're looking at the larger air force and is that when it is that when that bug started kind of biting you, like, hey man, I I think I want to go over and I want to fly these A tens.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think at that point I secretly wanted to be a controller.
1: So <laughs> it, it happens like that. I, the first time I the mean, first time that I ever I ever called in, I got, I was lucky enough to call in AC130, like live AC130 down in uh, Melrose, like the team sergeant that I was working for I was the the airfield seizure PJ, right? Like when I was at the 321st. So we were on a TDY, they were doing FMQs, and he was like, "Hey, do you want to call in, you know, live AC130?" He took me and the other PJ out. Listen, man, I get it. The first time that I called in those <laughs> fires, it was my voice on the radio, and then an AC-130 put a 105 round on one of the target sets. I was like, okay, I get it. I understand what controllers uh, are excited about. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, it, it was.
2: It was. Uh, I love
1: being a mediocre PJ. I, nobody can take that away from me, you know. But like, listen, I, I get yeah, the whole controller thing. I,
2: I love being a PJ, man, and but I pride myself on knowing other people's jobs, you know. So, I mean. You know, there's there's some people who min run everything. You know, they're just like, oh, I'm, this is that's not my lane. And I was always that guy, like, dude, if you're gonna make me carry your fifty five ninety in my already heavy ass med Uh, because you know, you just need somebody else to carry more batteries for you. I at least want to know how to operate your your radio and some of sure. your gear if you go down. You know, and I had that mentality. Same thing, you know. I was obviously a, a brand new pup on that on that deployment. But as I came back and I did, you know, follow on deployments and I had my own, like, you know, pups come in, you know, three levels, I would be, you know, dude, here's the deal. Be a great PJ first, but, like, you need to know how to do your controller's job and everything else, and, you know, maybe not to the level of, you know, you know say check wheels down, clear to land, dude. (laughs) If anything, throw your bench, you know, stroke, just some small TTPs uh, and how to operate stuff. I think you need to cross-train a little bit, and I think that's what the way Special Warfare is going, which is awesome that you – you don't have like, oh, this is my lane. This is all I do. It's like, no, you're a team leader now. You've got this knowledge in this background, which is just gonna make you better. And if it wasn't for that knowledge I had as a, an initial J and being with the controllers, I might not have gone the route I did with A10s knowing what I did. So it's it's only it's all made me better, man. And and I'll everything that I've learned at this point, I wish I had known back then. Because you just think you're invincible, especially in that first appointment. Like, ah, but you you realize now you're like I was just a dumb kid who didn't know anything, Uh, and you just got one hundred percent learning, man. And
0: but that's not just you. That's everybody. Like that's we everyone. all feel yeah. like that. That's a, you know, and, and that's the reality of it. And, you know, yeah. one of the things about learning other people's job is you never know when someday it's going to save your life because maybe yeah. that controller gets shot or incapacitated or something like that. And you got to be Johnny on the spot, pick up the radio or, you know, going to a, to a hog driver or even if you're a Viper pilot or something like that. But um, if that JTAC, gets hit on the ground, incapacitated, and then there's somebody on the radio that doesn't know doesn't know how to do a 9-line, doesn't know how to do a call for fire, and you as a pilot have got to, uh, <laughs> being separated from the situation, um, calm that person down, be able to pull and extract information, enough for you to be able to target the enemy and not target friendlies, um, like which is a very challenging um and that's one of the things that we work through as a jtac like whenever whether it's you know hey we're we're training helping to train pilots as hey i'm i'm non-qualified jtac or even if we put a a pj or an sr dude or somebody just somebody random on there um it's it's difficult for a pilot to be able to do that like it's it's impressive
2: Oh, definitely. So, I mean, we could sit here and talk all day, man, and uh, we're already forty-five minutes into it. So, I'll, I'll kind of skip ahead. <laughs> skip ahead. Skip ahead
1: to flying planes. Skip well, ahead. Just uh, uh how, how about how about this? How about uh, wh- what what pipeline was harder? Was it harder to become an ATM pilot? or Was it harder to become a PJ? Uh,
2: it, it's different. It's apples and oranges. And and nah, this is I can't the, the most.
1: you wouldn't say it.
2: Well, I'll tell you right now. So the most asked question I get, you know, through any forum, right? You know, either whether it's IG or people talk to me or whatever. I did a YouTube thing um, while back and there's like every question, the most asked question is, you know, what do you like better? Right. Or which was harder? Sure. You know, it was like, like that yeah. two part question. And it's impossible to say like, well, I can tell you right now, I can answer the first part. I can say, I would be happy if I had only got to do one in my entire career. I, I am fortunate enough. I've been very fortunate that I've got to do two really cool things where I was both, you know, a PJ, during wartime, right? And I got mm-hmm. to go be a combat A 10 pilot. So if I, if you said, hey, dude, you, you can't get your wings, you can only be a PJ, or dude, you know, you, you can only be a pilot, I would be happy with doing either one of those because they're very fulfilling. Um, to say that, like, the pipelines are totally different, yes. Physically, sure, you know, sure absolutely. The mental toughness that you get from, you know, the, the real Indoc, one of the great with me and Peaches. <laughs> <laughs> that can be Sure.
1: I'm right here, so, AT. I can so hear you. It,
2: it was it was uh, you know, definitely tough. But, you know, it was a different type. You know, here I am coming out like, you know, you know, all this confidence and stuff going into pilot training and it's like it was it was kind of switching gears, you because know, 'cause I'm dealing with guys who are just you know, R O T C Academy guys have been studying and, and hauling away at school and I've got my, you know, Crest Tucky University degree, you know, I just got sure. from college. Mix I mix my, my CCAFs together with some night school, and you know, and I'm not like the best, so uh, it took some some transitioning. Um, but you know, here's the thing: it helped me. It's the mentality that you you have as an operator, making it through stuff. Of like, dude, I don't care. I'm going to grind no matter what. You know, like everybody else is done and they're chilling. It's going to take me a little bit longer because I'm a little bit of a knuckle dragger. But you know, I'm going to figure it out.
1: Yeah, and then poof, you end up on that other side. You go on your your first deployment as an A10 guy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, fast forward, how many, how many years was in between the, the first one and the second one? So it was probably like 15 years in between deployment number one and then the first deployment in the hog? Uh,
2: see, the first deployment in the hog was 12, 2012. Yes, yeah, about 10 years. Yeah, so about 10 years. years. So, yeah.
1: What was it like? What was it like going back in country and now, you know, it's not going into bare bones? Now you're going into well established fire bases that are huge. You know, yeah. where, where did you go? Can where, where did you go on that first so, deployment as a hog driver? So,
2: yeah, so I left uh, as a J. I left country right as we were building up Bagram. and I missed Anaconda. Mm-hmm.
1: So, okay. uh, so
2: Cunningham, Jason, yep. I actually that was my last flight. I gave those guys their L.A.O. flight. So, oh, okay, Ker- Kerry Miller, Jason, yep. uh, those guys that rolled into you know Anaconda, Roberts Ridge, um, they were working out of Bogram at the time. So they did the push to Bagram. So I hadn't been back to Bagram. I was actually I had actually never been to Bogram until um i was a hog driver at 12 so we roll in there and it's like wow. you said it's it's built up base crazy uh, right yeah, 12, yeah at that
1: time in 12 too it was crazy i was in yeah there. it
2: was huge like and like the 80 deuce was in town i mean and they were swapping right. out with the 101st we got two army divisions there i mean it was right. massive right um it was so there i am a brand new wingman you know a new guy again yeah for you know all purposes there and I went, we wanted an Arkansas unit. They, it was our last deployment. And these guys, I mean, which was awesome. They got one more deployment before they were converted to, I think, RPAs, wherever they are now. But
1: mm-hmm.
2: we're in there. And I remember, I think it was my second flight. I did my LEO and my second flight. I'm flying with the guys. Show me here this firebase. She's like, hold on. Wait. Fence and guns. So, like, we're like arm it up. And we're, like, on my second flight there, we're doing, you know, a guns pass. Um, or some guys taking some IDF and then another flight, you know, I think it was three or four days after that, I'm doing a danger close a hundred meters from an OP, you know, on Eastern Afghanistan along, you know, the route there along, you know, the Pakistani border, some, some bros on top of the hilltop that were probably put in by helicopter and some Hasco bears. And that's it, you know, mm-hmm. you know, uh, go watch, um, What's the video? It's about the Cornell Valley. Restrepo. Yeah. Restrepo. Yeah. It's yes, crazy. That, that, that documentary
1: one. is insane.
2: Great documentary. It was a lot of yep. those type of OPs we were supporting, right? So you get called out there. And it's just like Pete just said, like, um, you know, sometimes you had a, a no getting a JTAC there. Sometimes you didn't have a JTAC at that OP, like, because the, there wasn't enough JTAC. So you're talking to right. attack P, uh, and it was a lot of the. Uh, a lot of attack B call signs. I think I don't think we worked with a lot of the, uh, the controller C T call signs at that time. Uh, they were just a different part of the country. Um, and you know, you might talk to a JTAC, but he's like relaying words from an OP that he can't see because he's at a, right. he's at a small fob and the OP, he's got like four or five OPs in his valley. So he doesn't directly yep. see it. So you're getting like a type two type, you know, three control or you've got a JFO you're talking to, maybe a JFO. Um, And then I remember one that story that sticks out is we were rolling back from actually working with a controller and it kind of went dry. We didn't actually get to employ. We're coming home and we get called to this convoy. It was 80 deuce swapping out with the one And that's a big machine. If you've ever been to brag. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. Yeah.
2: Um, They don't like, it's not like they have a small footprint and they can just leave in the middle of the night. Like everybody knows they're moving. So they had already cleared this road to move. But they're moving all the hardware out, so all their vehicles. But they hit 21 IEDs in three days on the way out. So, oh my God. Uh, it was a it was a slaughter, you know. Like, and this it's right along this like river, so all the green terrain, we call it, like you know, trees and stuff. You know, the Taliban are hiding there. So they hit an IED, blow up an MRAP, stop the whole convoy. You know, they have to tow them by the way. These bubbles are taking contact. So we get called in there, and I'm on one of the. I think we get called in there right away after some. Uh, uh, there were some vipers. They were, uh, in one of the other countries was there. I forgot how it was out, out of Mez, but they didn't get to employ, uh, because they couldn't get eyes on. So we get in there, we see him, we start shooting, we're talking to the JTAC, and then all of a sudden the radio goes quiet. And it's like, I don't remember his name, but we'll just say Bob. So army dude comes in the radio, he's like, Hey, pilots, uh, Bob's shot. We're like, What? And <laughs> I is he all right? He's like, everybody. Yeah, doc's looking at him, you know, so the medic's looking at this guy, uh, and Okay, well, like, dude, this is going to be ECAS now. So, all right. right. Are you still taking fire from the same place? Yeah, okay. We're going to shoot again, man. And if it doesn't look good, if it looks like we're pointing at here or it's getting too close, I need you to say to board, a board, to board on the radio. You know? So, no kidding. We do that. And he's like, they're bringing it closer. like, we're going to bring it in closer now, man. Like, so, no <laughs> kidding. Like you said, Peach is a straight example of ECAST on my first appointment right there right away.
1: And that's, and it's almost like your entire life led up to that, right? Like all those times in Indoc, going to, you know, being the first guy in country and having some of those experiences and and now here you are, do you feel like being a PJ set you up to deal with that scenario better as an A-10 pilot?
2: I think it, it, it helped you develop, uh, that ability to handle stress and to adapt to those situations. Like, you know, obviously, you know, being a PJ didn't have anything to do with, you know, flying the aircraft, but
1: flying the plane, right. The
2: the, the be able to handle that stress, hearing that guy in the radio who's freaking the hell out, and there's a fifty going off right by, by a you know, or a mark, you know, from yep. Mark nineteen, and you're like, dude, I know it sucks right now, man, and you're trying to be the the voice of reason, the voice of calm in a bad situation, right? So you can't you can't go from like zero to hundred ninety right now because you're just gonna make things worse. So it's like it's like, hey, man, we're here to help you. We are not gonna leave you. So interestingly enough. Um, we got ripped out by some other bros from our squadrons and then, you know, some other dudes after that. I land, go to bed, come back, and that tick is still going on. Like I said, 21 IDs in three days. So, like, we would roll into work of, like, how's whatever convoy doing right now? How are they doing? What's going on? And we were trying to watch ISR feeds in the squadron, like, they're at bottom. Mm-hmm. And we're all just like, when are we launching? When are we ready to go? Just waiting right. to go to swap out the next guy. It was a continuous, like, protecting these guys. So, um we were able to hook up with the guys over at the Bath Hospital and uh you know it was that JTAC that first got shot. So we go over mm-hmm. and we took like an A3 bag for 30 Mike Mike shells and we walk in, they're all wearing their wounded warrior shirts because they're in recovery and whatnot. Luckily they were mm-hmm. you know they were injured but nobody nobody killed in that. And these dudes just start crying, man. Like you're like you hand them shells like oh man. It's like the no kidding, like the human aspect of uh you know, meeting the guys that are that are overhead. And uh, this is how I got in the hog, by the way. So you know, Nacho, N Z. So dude, um, in 03, when J- when Peaches and I were rolling in from the west, you know, I was with the Aussies, wearing Oscams and all that stuff. Um, the other bros are rolling up from the south, two, three, two, one guys, and uh, they're out with um, with their ODAs. And my bro N Z, he gets into a huge tick, and Couple A10s come down, and no kidding, like danger close. I and mean, these guys didn't have up armor at this time. This is 03. They're shooting right. out the windows, uh, you know, 203s, 556 out the window. Uh, and they're just getting Swiss cheese, you know, um, from both sides of the street. A10s come down, and like they, he says he loses them behind the buildings. They're coming so low doing strafes. And they get him out of there, and that's what saved his life. And it turns out that like, he met that guy. Uh, in a in like a defect like two months later and you know he's all bearded out from being in the field and he's like yeah these are the call sent save saved him and then years later when i got when i was in doc i got picked up for ots and uh uh dude's like hey man go to the guard if you want to fly hogs uh, i'm like well i don't know anybody and he's like i know a guy up in up in boise and it was the same guy who had him <laughs> oh, wow. and that's how i got up there man so i mean there's more to that story. So later on is after this deployment, we go down, uh, that guy at the time, he was a Lieutenant Colonel. He goes, he's general now. He goes, Hey man, I'm taking a, uh, two ship of A-10s down to Ellington. Um, my old roommate from Purdue is an astronaut and he's going to give us a tour of, you know, the neutral buoyancy lab, which I've dove in that global before, and, you know, the space center. You want to go? I was like, hell yeah, I'll go. So we, we hopped through Kirtland, got some gas there and we, and we, uh, went down there and, NZ is down there retired at this point and, and they don't know it uh, that I, I invite them both out to dinner and he's facing me and NZ walks up behind him turns around and it's like a dudes that hadn't seen each other since 2013 14 hadn't seen each other since 03 two grown men just start you know just like hugging and <laughs> like, yeah. You know, he wouldn't be it here to yeah. for him. it was awesome yeah
1: man. that's crazy that's like it's somebody that gave you you know that second half of that life yeah. that has to be just one of the one of the most badass experiences you know that, that can be
0: yeah yeah, I had the I had the same opportunity with uh, or the same situation with uh Shady Shimchuk who we had on I don't know, a, hand, a handful of uh, yeah, episodes ago. Yeah, same yeah, yeah. same kind yeah. of thing cuz he saved my ass in 2006. So yeah. it's a uh, it's cool. It's unusual to be able to meet up with people um because, you know, we are talking to so many planes and pilots and stuff like that and then we're we are out in the field for for weeks or months at a time we don't necessarily come back to where you know the the pilots are based out of
2: yeah it, it's a brotherhood baptized in fire man you, you you instantly have a connection with that person you you may have only heard their their vo- voice on the radio but it's it's like man you know you instantly feel like you've known this person um yep so yeah so
1: it's exactly like my the favorite uh my favorite war documentary die hard you know, they talk on the radio <laughs> It's a great, a great christmas time. movie yeah.
2: fantastic
1: fantastic. i have a machine gun now so 24 years later man you went through the pj pipeline back when water was wetter rocks were heavier girls were better looking your hair was on point i guarantee your hairline's looking real good i meant to put that out there but yeah yeah then you get through taking tips from you get it get it then you uh man you you transfer over and you, you know you've been doing the 18 10 gig we always ask guests, "Hey, if you had, you know, one piece of advice, or you know, the people that are listening to us, like, and you hit the nail on the head. You got, you got to do not just one amazing thing, but you got to do two separate, equally amazing things in your career. So, if somebody is, you know, sitting there and they're thinking about what it is that they want to do, what advice would you give to those people that are going to try to do something amazing with their life?"
2: Yeah, man. I would say, first of all, just get after it. Don't procrastinate because there is no tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow is going to be. Tomorrow is today. You know yesterday was the last easy day um so whatever that is that's you training for sw or you know studying to be a pilot or whatever your, your goal is just get after it um stop making excuses the victim mentality is is, is not going to help you in this in this game of, of the real world life uh, and uh don't don't let your haters keep you down that's the other thing man i all the people that probably told me that Oh, you want to go be a pilot? Even bros, even PJ bros that that I thought like, you know, they just don't see your dream. You have a vision, you have a dream, go after it. Somebody else may not see it, but you see it and just make it happen. You're going to have haters, but you know what? They're they're going to be your biggest fans in the end. So,
1: Yep. Sometimes it be your own people, AT. And now uh, I, I do want to talk just before we get off here. I want to talk Team Madman, dude. I love following your IG. It's motivational. It gets me in the gym, gets me going and lifting, gets me lifting some heavy weight. Tell us about Team Madman, Doc.
2: Yeah, man. So, uh, well, the Madman thing, when I was a contractor for a bit, when it was one of our kind of call
1: signs, it was pretty cool. So
2: uh, I, I always liked it. My buddy and I would just say Madman all the time. Because that's a great
1: thought, call sign, by the way. Madman is a great yeah. call sign.
2: And I thought back to, you know, kind of the mad cat, you know, the Cheshire cat. Like, yep. it's like you know, we're all mad here. And, it's you know, this that's the kind of mentality. My buddy uh, Jay had this on in Dallas this week. And we were like, man, we got to – what's the figure?
1: It's the finger is there's a uh, Cheshire cat that's sitting right there. Oh, go, go go. oh, I see it
2: now. Cool, cool, yeah. So, yeah, I've got I've got different. (laughs) uh, There you go. Yeah, well, you got cooler ones, man. I got I got my Cheshire cat stuff, there. So, um, (laughs) yeah, uh, yeah. That's the whole thing, man. It's just like don't. Don't be a meek about it. You know, go out and be a beast. Everybody says, Hey, be a lion, be a madman. Get after it. So if somebody says that's crazy, that's your dream, whatever it is, you know, you're be insane man, you know? So go after it, be a monster so yeah man yeah madman
1: absolutely absolutely and that feels like a good place to end it man so um people can find you over at team madman check them out on ig if you can't find at we can help you find his ig profile because that's what we do hop up in his dms and ask him what the day-to-day life of being an a10 pilot is um or you can ask trent that's trent's favorite favorite question of all time but man at i just want to say thanks for coming into the team room with my with uh peaches and myself Man, it was awesome. I think we're going to have to bring you back for two. I know those aren't all the stories you got. So, uh, I got way man, more. Open. Is <laughs> open invite, man. This is awesome. awesome. reunion. Uh, I'm a yeah.
2: bottle of caffeine, though, so yeah, yeah, we we'll got get in soon.
1: But. <laughs> yeah. Holler. Well, open invite, man. Come back at any time. Everybody else out there, hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Share it with your friends, and then we'll put out a bunch of these shorts. So pay attention to YouTube. Um, we're going to get a lot of these out here because AT has got a ton of stories. AT, thanks again, man, for coming on with us. We really appreciate Good it. Good seeing you again, man. Yeah, brother. Hoo ya! All right, everybody, train hard, and uh, Hoo ya! We'll see you next time.